Star Wars 7x7, episode 1205. Well, since another science fiction franchise of the past has been reawakened, I thought I would take a moment to look comparatively, it's really apples and oranges, but to look comparatively at the influence on our society and pop culture of Star Wars and Blade Runner. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, this is Mike and Joe from the Cantina Cast. And you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod. And I have sort of a complicated relationship with Blade Runner, I guess you would say. I saw it in the theater when I was 10 years old, and I actually asked to leave the theater because it was starting to freak me out. I mean, it was a pretty uh, scary R-rated movie, at least it was for me at the time. Actually, what I particularly remember is that I was afraid that William Sanderson's character was going to get killed by Rutger Hauer, and I just did not want to be in the theater when that happened. And I didn't come back to Blade Runner until the director's cut came out in 1992, and apparently whatever bad memories I'd had of the movie had been washed away, and I was intrigued enough to find out what really happened in the movie. And it's a heck of a movie. It really is. I know it's not to everybody's tastes, and hey, that's okay. But certainly for a world of the future that was a lot more grounded in what you might imagine reality to be, it certainly was groundbreaking for that. And I would say Blade Runner 2049 continues in that vein. If you haven't seen the movie, I'm not going to spoil it for you or anything like that. But I will say that of all the reviews that I read about the movie after having seen it, the one that kind of stood out for me the most is one, and I, I wish I remembered who had written it, but um, said that somewhere in Blade Runner 2049 was a 100-minute movie struggling to get out, and I really felt like that. And maybe that's just you know a sign of the times that, we need our pacing to be a lot faster these days or that, you know, maybe it's a good thing that a movie actually decided to take its own darn sweet time in getting where it was going. But yeah, it did seem like it dragged in spots for real. And I just recently rewatched the original Blade Runner and, you know, it still holds up. I mean, it goes fast and I think maybe the only real slow part is just, you know, when they're hanging out in the apartment a little bit too much. But it goes by fast enough and Vangelis' saxophone, like, you know, like that whole like campy uh, <laughs> romantic drama situation. Yeah, ultimately, that's enough to amuse you to get through it, basically. But the thing about Blade Runner is that at its heart, it was a really simple story. It was basically about a cop who has to find four bad guys and take them down. And that's really it. Oh, and it happens that they look just like regular human beings, so that makes it even more difficult. Then you layer on a love story and you put it in a setting that is highly unusual, and suddenly you have the makings of an iconic masterpiece. But the thing that ultimately made it feel lacking for me is that there's all this talk about off-world this and off-world that, and they never get off-world. <laughs> so it was like, okay, yeah, it's kind of neat to know that uh, people go off-world and things like that happen. But, man, if you're going to talk about off-world to me, you got to show it to me. I don't know. Anyway, it's really not fair to compare Blade Runner to Star Wars in a number of ways. First of all, 
they're not even the same genre, really. Yes, they're within science fiction, I guess you could say, but Star Wars is really more a space opera than it is science fiction. It's more fantasy than it is science fiction. And, of course, Blade Runner is straight-up science fiction. And hard science fiction at that, meaning that it is about as based in reality as you could possibly do. Certainly, Blade Runner 2049 continues that vein. It's still a rainy, gray, cloudy space, which is a very film noir kind of situation. It's still essentially a police procedural situation. But the thing of it is, I feel like we are possibly past the point in our movie-going lives where we are going to be presented with an idea that is so compelling that it is going to dominate our sensibilities for generations. And Blade Runner 2049, while... You know, it certainly had its moments, and hey, anytime Harrison Ford shows up on screen, it's a great time to be alive. You know, it just doesn't, as a movie overall, like it's not going to be something that you're going to remember 5, 10, 20, 40 years from now. And I'm not sure if that's really Blade Runner's fault or the filmmaker's fault. It may just be that we as a culture and a society have moved on and we're going to need something way crazier to be able to move us in the same way that the original did, whether it's Star Wars or Blade Runner. All right, I'm going to take a brief break, and then I've got something unrelated for you after the break, so stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. The Last Jedi is coming out in theaters in December, and so it's time for you to brush up on your knowledge of The Force Awakens. Luckily, I've got the thing for you. It's the unofficial Star Wars The Force Awakens trivia book. It's available on Amazon right now. Just go to sw7x7.com TFA to get right there. And inside, you'll find more than 501 galaxy-spanning questions and answers about The Force Awakens. Again, it's the unofficial Star Wars The Force Awakens trivia book, sw7x7.com slash tfa welcome back all right so earlier this week when we were talking about star wars rebels and how season four is going to end i had started talking about the interview that amy ratcliffe did with dave filoni for nerdist but i did not finish that train of thought and it's worth revisiting because it turns out that it actually supports some of the things that i had been talking with you about in terms of rethinking the end game of star wars rebels especially as it references Kanan's fate and Ezra's fate. This article in here, his um, Filoni's quote is, he says, if you watch Rebels from the very beginning, you think, here's a kid, Ezra, and the problem he has is that the Empire had taken over his planet, Lothal. The premise seems to be, the promise seems to be, that by the end of this, he will find a way to rid his world of the Empire. But we know the Empire builds the Death Star, builds another Death Star, and they don't really get destroyed until Luke does it. How in the world does this kid find any kind of victory in the middle of this conflict? What does he consider a victory? How is he going to use his powers? And as far as the uh, narrative of the article, Amy Ratcliffe writes, uh, with the Ghost crew on the way to the Rebel Alliance base on Yavin 4, they, meaning Kanan and Ezra, have to figure out how they fit in, and it's not totally cut and dry. And Filoni goes on to say, that's what Kanan and Ezra face, is what to do, where is their place in this fight, and what's the result of it? That's the fun part. Answering that last question has been exciting, and I think that it comes to a nice ending in the story, unquote. Now, I'd like to interpret that as closure, but uh, I don't know if it's straight-up closure, as in, 
it's handled, it's done, and we'll never hear from them again. I'm still starting to think, or I'm still, I'm not dissuaded from thinking that it's possible Kanan and Ezra could move on to another show. I'd love to hear your thoughts about that, though. So please do chime in at the comments of the blog post for this show's episode at SW7X7.com. That is going to do it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you fire at will, Commander, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And we'd be spectacularly grateful if you put a little something in the tip jar at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not just fully armed and operational, it's destiny unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2017, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.